Open up to Acts chapter 13. You can leave that there for the readers, right? We bring our first slide up. I don't need the uh, pointer, by the way. You can just advance it from that back there. We just, a few little helps this morning to uh, get us through Acts chapter 16, the last half. Um, <clears throat> well, this is our text this morning, Acts 16, 16 through 34. We're going to uh, have a theme in those verses of guidance. And uh, <clears throat> uh, we will not cover every verse. We look forward to invite everyone to join in tomorrow night, right? We have the small groups that have been going very well in our uh, discussions as we learn more from the Word of God. Uh, and that will be tomorrow night. But uh, as we read, we're going to have two readers, uh, Daleth and Timmy. We'll read these uh, verses from Acts chapter 16. See if you can pick up on things regarding guidance. And we hope to develop that as we move on. Starting in verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her master such profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. And when our masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceeded, exceedingly troubled our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet into the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly... There was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he said, no, 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 no. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household.
Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Dalith. I believe in, the, in our discussion groups, we'll go to the end of the chapter, but I believe that was what was assigned me through 34, so we'll just stick with that. So we have the passage here, guidance, guidance, right? This occupies an important place in human life, does it not? Various uh, areas in our personal life, family life, social life, educational life, career, and so on and so forth. We can name almost every category, right? Can we not, in our lives, regarding guidance, uh, nonetheless, uh, or not the least, spiritual, and we're going to look at that. So we often find ourselves, don't we, don't we, in a state of confusion as to which way to turn and bewilderment. And without the help of a proper guide, what do we do? So go ahead and switch it. We're going to look at it in this sense as we look at these uh, 16 plus verses. We're going to look at divine guidance, the uh, guidance of the power of God, and demonic guidance, the guidance of the power of darkness. It, I can see it a lot clearer up there than I can here. Oh, I know why, because those lights are on. Uh, I hope we can see that. Oh, yep, it's much better. Ah, yes, good. Okay, so we're going to look at it in this sense, right? As we as we work through this, divine guidance and then demonic guidance. You probably picked up on that as we read uh, through that, uh, uh, those verses. So let's go ahead and switch to the next slide. Here's what the uh, prophet Jeremiah said. I just want to quote as many, many verses we could quote regarding the subject uh, of guidance. But I just wanted to bring this uh, out, O Lord. Uh, I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. Now, in the specific predicament that Jeremiah found himself, he pleads this mental and moral weakness that's in us. Right. I know, he said, that a man's way is not in himself. Man can never direct his life so as to achieve blessing without God's help. Proper guidance demands divine input. Think about it. I did not make myself right. I did not make myself. We heard this morning we're created in the image of God. And oftentimes we refer to this book as the maker's instruction manual. And it's, it's just sad to, to, to see, and all of us included, whether saved or unsaved, they'd ignore the instruction manual. So I didn't make myself. I must look to my maker, right? If I'm going to have proper guidance in life, I need divine input, and that input comes from the word of God. So constant reliance on divine help is necessary. So we can praise the Lord for divine guidance. But <laughs> what about those in our world that we live in who have no regard for God? What about them? All right. Uh, what course do they follow? Perhaps more importantly, where does that path end? We are, mankind, humanity is, in general, is like sheep without a shepherd. That's the words of the, of the Lord Jesus. He had compassion on them because they were wandering about through life like sheep without a shepherd. And generally speaking, I think we can just look out in our, in our place of work, in our neighborhoods, wherever it may be, and we can see that, that that's a, a very apt description. Of course, it's the word of God. That we're like sheep without a shepherd. But praise the Lord. 
for the child of God, first Peter writes at the end of the second chapter that we were like sheep going astray, but have now what? returned to the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Praise the Lord that I don't have to be like a sheep gone astray, but I can return to the shepherd and bishop of my soul and I can have the guidance that I need. Now, I want to consider uh, just a general statement here regarding Saul of Tarsus, because he's in this chapter, Paul, Paul, the apostle, but just just consider Saul of Tarsus himself before we get into the... We're going to make a few points before we get into the verses. Here he was, right, wandering about in life with religion and no relationship, right? He often brings up his own testimony. He was wandering through life. You know, I verily thought within myself that I should, that I should work against the Savior, right? Do many things contrary to Jesus of Nazareth. But the key phrase that we get... Uh, regarding Saul of Tarsus is when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus and the Lord revealed himself to him. He said, what will you have me to do? And I think that's key. If we want to get guidance in life, that needs to be our attitude as well. Lord, what will you have me to do? So he heard the word of the Lord and then he followed the word of the Lord. Again, the Bible, the word of God. So switch the slide. Oh, it's a wonderful privilege to trust in the Lord with all our heart, not lean to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our path. So we have divine guidance. Did you switch it there? Divine guidance, the power of God and the guidance of the power of darkness. Now, one. Oh, not yet. Not that. Sorry. Uh <clears throat> One more point, or a couple more points before we move on in guidance uh, to the passage, that is. In Acts, we can see a number of ways in which God divinely guided his people. We won't take time to, to go over all of them. There is, I counted some 18 to 20 total from, from the beginning of the chapter uh, of the book of Acts in Acts chapter 1 until our present uh, point here in Acts chapter 16. But they're all connected to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God. We've had good teaching on that so far. In Acts chapter 1, there was a direct conversation with the risen Lord himself. That's wonderful, right? When uh, they were, uh, the Lord appeared to them after the day, a certain time period, and he gave direct conversation. Then they had the witness of Scripture. What do we do now that, uh, uh, that one of our uh, apostles are missing, right? Well, let's go to the Scripture and find out what to do. Then they had... Uh, another way that the Lord guided is the regular routines of worship. Peter and John, chapter 3, they went up to the temple in the hour of prayer, right? And then they were able to see someone that needed uh, the Savior. The Spirit of the Lord guided uh, Philip, right? Uh, Philip was having, a, we learned that in Acts chapter 8. He was having a, a good campaign but the uh, where he was. But in Samaria, and then the Spirit of the Lord said, Rise, go to uh, the, the, uh, uh, the wilderness there and find the Ethiopian unit. Then there was news of an, a medical emergency. Speaking of a medical emergency, glad to see Joseph here today. That's wonderful. I, 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 you know, I didn't know that he would be here so quickly. So uh, uh, that was an emergency, right? That came up. Oh, so, you know, that's what happens, right? We, the, 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 the word came to Peter, right? Oh, there's somebody sick, you know, Dorcas and so on. So that that was a way to do, to display the uh, the leading of God. And then lastly, uh, there's, again, many more concerns for discipling. In the previous chapter, Paul says to Barnabas, let's go. 
Let's return to see how the saints are doing. You know, let's, 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 let's confirm them and so forth. Let's, let's strengthen them. Let's encourage them. These are ways. So the obvious fact, if we had to lump all these together and many more, we can say that God's guidance comes down many different roads to engage his servants, right? And the biggest mistake we can make is it's always one way. You know, it has to be this one method that I'm looking for that God will guide. Well, it was communicated to us in very uh, uh, in, in a variety of ways. There's no one method, practically speaking, by which God guides his people aside from the word of God and the spirit of God. So let's just point out a few more things here. In, 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 in verse 6 through 9 of chapter 16, we didn't read these verses, but we covered them two weeks ago. There was three direct Divine interventions. Three direct divine interventions. Do you see that in verse 6? The, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. When they were come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the, the Spirit permitted them not. And then in uh, verse number 9, the, the Macedonian call, the appeared a man of Macedonia. So the, the like, it's like the, the suspense is building up. What is this about? Right? What's, what's uh, attempting here, attempting there? And then the, the, the man of Macedonia appears. Go, come over into Macedonia and help us. All right. So what was the great objective in all of this divine intervention and guidance focused on? Well, initially we can see, and again, we covered this last week was Lydia, right? Lydia, Lydia, Lydia Anna. Yeah, she was a seller, often when she wears purple, we call her the seller of purple, right? So that's what Lydia was. We're going to talk a little bit about Lydia as we, uh, as we move on here. But what, what happened there? They, they, there was a guidance to, 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 to uh, come over into Macedonia and help us. The first person they met, right, was Lydia. The, and then the Lord opened her heart, right, to respond to Paul's message. What is that? The illumination of the spirit that grips the attention and fills the mind with the awareness and certainty that the one that the the, the person is hearing the very word of God. It's driven home uh, to her heart. And uh, Lydia responded by believing in the Lord Jesus because she was a worshiper of God, but she wasn't saved. Right. But she met the God whom she sought. Now. Again, what about the guidance of Lydia? We, uh, what we, we looked at the guidance of Saul of Tarsus uh, prior, just briefly. But what about the guidance of Lydia? That's where that map comes in, if you pr- uh, switch it up there. Now, Lydia, I don't have a, a, a pointer here, but Lydia was from uh, Thyatira. That was between Pergamum. It's not on my map here, but it's between Pergamum, and you'll find it up here somewhere. That uh, she had to call, oh, here it is, over here. Right. And she was called all she ended up all the way at the top left there into Philippi. Right. We've, we've seen this map a few times. It's been very helpful. Now, I want to just say this. There's a there's a thought here or there's a teaching here that I think is helpful to get a hold of that. That God, we, we, we understand this from the next chapter. He will determine the place where where people live. Right. Look, look, listen to what Paul says. Often I've often used this as a prayer as I as I uh, sit in the Lord's presence. Thank you, Heavenly Father. This is Acts 17, 26 and 27, the very next chapter. From one man, you made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And you marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Why? So that they would seek you and perhaps reach out. For you, they would grope after, feel their way toward you, and find you, for you are not 
far from any of us. Paul stood up in Mars Hill and made this announcement and this teaching. So we can assume from that verse that God has his, his, his leading, his ways, because God is not willing that any should perish. Somebody often, it's often been said that if a person ends up in eternal damnation, they're going to have to trip over a lot of divine obstacles before they get there, because God is not willing that any should perish, but that they, all men should come to repentance. So we can uh, conclude from that that God is a purposeful and active God that seeks relations with his creatures. So he watched over her birth, her growth, her choice of career, her moving to uh, uh, Philippi, and, and the prosperity of, of her business. She was a businesswoman, right? And the part that that would play in the evangelization, evangelization of Europe. So we can summarize her saying that there was a con- in the, uh, concern for spiritual matters uh, but she was not yet converted, but God was able to lead her uh, into such a place where he could speak to her. I just want to say at this point, <clears throat> I just again, many things we could say about this, but Lydia worshipped God, but she was not saved. Lydia worshipped God. If you search the scriptures, you'll find a number of a number of characteristics like prayer and worship and, and a zeal for God. I, there's a long list here I have, but we won't take the time to do that. But a person can have all of those characteristics and not be converted, not be converted. Lydia is a good example. So the nature of divine guidance, direct special guidance does not necessarily Lift the veil on the future for long periods in advance. We can see that here. Come over into Macedonia and help us, right? They didn't know why. They went to Philippi, right? Verse number 12. And they were there for certain days. Well, well, you know, they had this vision, direct uh, uh, divine intervention to go, but they didn't know right away, right? They were just abiding. We would say we were hanging out, right? We were hanging out. In, in, in this chief city of, of Macedonia, right? And uh, it, But it often lets us proceed from day to day, doing the next obvious thing in the course of carrying out uh, standing orders. True guidance by the Holy Spirit does not relieve us of our responsibility to use our moral and spiritual judgment. Listen, when that direct divine intervention came in in verse 10, what does it say? The man stood... Come to Macedonia and help us. Now, what does it say? The next thing, concluding or assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach. So they were able to just get their heads together, as we might say. And they determined that it was from the Lord. Okay. And and, and if we think about that subject, if, if yes, God intervenes directly at times, but if we... We're never allowed to decide anything, but we're always controlled by constant interventions of direct guidance. We should be like moral and mental infants, right? We need, like they did. They assuredly gathered. They they concluded. Here the Lord appeared to them, sent the man of Macedonia. Come, help us. But they were able to to to, uh, to, to come together and to conclude that this was indeed of the Lord. He doesn't by, the Lord doesn't bypass our moral and spiritual judgment. So we'll come back later to the guidance of the power of God. But now, go ahead to the next one. I think that's where we'll probably stay. Not much different than the others. Okay, there we start in verse number 16. Okay, this slave girl, we read about him, right? I think it's the next one. 
I was wrong. Back one, back one, sorry. Back one. I, I just left one backwards. Okay, there we are. That, that's, our, that's our passage. The slave girl who met Paul and Silas, in verse number 16 and onwards, she followed them day after day, right? She, uh, and and uh, as they went to the place of prayer, she was a fortune teller, evidently, according to the passage here. And many of the people in the city believed in her and valued her services, right? The owners made a lot of money from her predictions. She had a great following, did she not? Evidently, because... You can see by the reaction later on. Now, it's only natural, is it not, to know. We were talking about this morning to know the future. We want to know what's going to happen ahead of us. That's only natural, right? Human beings want to know, right, for whatever reason. You heard of the, you probably heard of the fortune teller convention, right? A mass gathering that was to be held on a certain time and date. And at the last moment, it was canceled because of unforeseen circumstances. And But what, you know, um, some of you remember Brother Steve Pappas that was uh, with us a number of years ago. <clears throat> Steve was the, uh, he owned a shopping center over in Aventura. He had a fortune teller for a client <clears throat> wanted to meet with them about setting up a kiosk. And he said to Steve, are you in the office next Thursday? And, you know, remember, Steve, you know, he looked at the guy like, okay, you're a fortune teller. You don't know if I'm going to be there. The man never came back. <laughs> you see, you, you know, there, there's there's something about the... You know, the, the, the desire, right, to know these things. It's understandable for those that, that, that have never known God as a loving father should feel driven to the spiritual world, right? You drive down the street, you know, uh, you have this flashing hand, you know, I'll read your palm, I'll read your tarots, or whatever it is, right? It's only natural that we should be driven to these things and, and to fortune tellers and mediums, astrologers, and so forth. But you know what, uh, and, and you know, one of the big things is people want to know, where's my loved one when they died, right? I, I, I want to I, I meet now, you know, um, well, we had a man in the Bible do that, right? We'll talk about that another time. But anyway, Paul silenced her. Paul silenced her. Why did he do this? Consider this, her prophesying doesn't seem, we're there. Merely mere nonsensical remarks, such as are produced in the newspapers, you know, and have the same thing for everybody on the same birthday and stuff like that. Have a, oh, you can even get a fortune cookie. <laughs> I eat soup, but what, what do I do here? Right? Well, her prophecies, evidently, according to this the spirit of divination, they uh, they they emanated from a demon. Right? Uh, they they emanated uh, from. Uh, she was possessed by a spirit. Now, let me just say a word on fortune-telling here. This girl's utterances were regarded as the voice of a god, right? People sought after her. Balaam, in the Old Testament, he was identified as a soothsayer. Now, he's an enigmatical prophet. I understand. I don't know everything about him, but he was identified as a soothsayer or one who claims or pretends to the power of fortune-telling, a, a predictor, a prognosticator, and so forth. Okay, so we may well ask, why did Paul, why, why did Paul stir up a hornet's nest by exercising the spirit to come out of that young lady? After all, 
What was she doing, right? Look, she was publicly recommending them. These men, right, are servants of the Most High God. They're telling us the way to be saved. Wouldn't the people, wouldn't it have been better for him, right, to just go along with it? And, 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 and for those, you know, she must have had a following. They took, these people took her, her prophecies, were impressed by her favorable reception now of this evangelist. And, and, and wouldn't they be more inclined to hear Paul's message? Why antagonize everybody by publicly, publicly rejecting her cooperation? Wasn't she trying to be ecumenically minded? We're all in this together, right? That's us. We're all in this together. Well, there's a few answers. Well, because to start with, even if what she said was intended to be the truth, spiritism is by definition opposed to Christianity. We know that from the word of God. And the spirit who spoke through her was hostile to the Lord Jesus. We could understand that. And these men are servants of the most high God. It was not an expression of repentance on her part. And it certainly wasn't intended to lead anybody to faith in the Lord Jesus. So, and if they had, if Christ, oftentimes the Lord pointed this out when he was on earth. And they would say, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. If, if, if there and here, if the testimony was accepted, it would have appeared in the eyes to authenticate this, this kind of activity, this spiritism. And so it was here. Even if what she said was true, for Paul to have accepted her testimony would have validated her form of spiritism. So he was obliged to do what he did and cast out the demon. Now, another thing before we move on from that point there is that, that there's serious doubt whether the recommendation, the recommendation that she gave was intended to be true. The Young's literal translation uh, translates this these men are uh, uh are servants of the most high god who declare unto us a way of salvation the girl may not have been recommending the gospel as the only way but merely as one way among others right uh and her own included and what did she mean by salvation uh, her prophecies right would have offered people salvation not spiritual salvation they would be able to see the future and, and, and avoid any trouble that they can get into. That's why people, we want to know, I don't want to get into trouble. If I knew where I was going to die, I wouldn't go there, right? That kind of thing, right? Uh, and she would advise to take steps to avoid anything like that. But there was another reason. Paul had compassion on the girl. She had been invaded and taken over by a demon, by an alien power. Now, this is a good point here before we move on. There were other people in Philippi. Here they were in Philippi, right? Under the influence of what our Lord on one occasion described as the power of darkness. She wasn't the only one. Perhaps less obvious, less dramatic, but no less really. What am I speaking about? Now, this is a serious point. She wasn't the only one that was controlled by this spirit and being hostile to the Lord. This is what Ephesians chapter 2 says. It speaks about before we were saved, there is a spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. 
I want to expand on this a little bit. When Paul was commissioned, in his own words, he was called in Acts chapter 26 to open the eyes of those that needed the Savior, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified. She wasn't the only one possessed by a spirit in walking in darkness. You think about Ephesians chapter 2, right? It's so serious. Our condition, our course, our conduct before we were saved, right? Uh, That's all expanded on in Ephesians chapter 2 as we... uh, uh, before we get to the fact that God has has uh, created us in Christ Jesus and, and and put us on a new course, right? In, 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 in chapter Ephesians chapter two verse one through three, we have our condition. We were once dead in trespasses and sins. We were walking according to the course uh, uh, of the world. You know, you wonder can the dead walk? Well, they can because and they can stay on course according to Ephesians chapter two. That those that are separated from God, dead in trespasses and sins, that course ends in wrath. And then the course they follow the course of an unseen ruler, right? And then our conduct. What 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 were we doing apart from Christ? What was any unbeliever doing? As child of disobedience, they were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's what we did apart from knowing the Savior. It bothers me sometimes as we go about life, you know, we can see a person that doesn't know the Savior. Life is good. I'm rocking and rolling my way through life. You know, I'm just having a, a grand old time. It reminded me of the rich fool, right? That he stood back in Luke chapter 12 and he looked at all that he had and he said, ah, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. You know, what am I going to do? Build bigger barns, you know, and so I'll have a place to restore all my goods. But the word came to him, you fool. This night your soul shall be required of you. So there is a spirit that is now at work. Not perhaps as pronounced as with that, the girl, the fortune teller, but there is a spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient. Now, this is a step further, and this is shocking if you, if you could get a hold of this. First John chapter three, in this, the children of God, first John three ten, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he, nor uh, is he who does not love his brother. According to the Bible, Now watch this. There's two classes of people. Children of God. Children of the devil. It only occurs one time. Now we did, we did look at in Acts chapter 13 when Paul was, 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 uh, had enough of the, uh, the, the, uh, guy that was following him, and he called him a child of the devil. Similar phrase, right? But the children of God and the children of the devil. Listen, all mankind are God's creation. We are creatures endowed with a free will. And the Father, God the Father, offers the right to every individual to become a child of God. As many as received him, to them he gave the Authority to become a child of God. I am not, despite what uh, the world says, you know, we're all uh, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. You know, we're all children of God. We're not all children of God, right? We're, we're creations of God, but we're not all children of God unless 
we receive Christ as our Savior. To them, he gave the right. Those that, that have believed on his name. John chapter 1. There's no third alternative. Right? A person's principles are invisible. But the way he lives, according to First John chapter 3, reveals what he really is. Reveals to which family he belongs. God is righteous. God is love. These are inseparable features in the character of God. And they will both become evident in those that are born of God. There's no half and half. Right? John... It's, it's, it's well known in John and his epistles. He, he knows two, he only knows extremes, light, darkness, righteousness, lawlessness, love and hate and so forth. And two families. Children of God. Children of the devil. Children of God. Children, there's no middle place. The tree will be known by its fruit. Then you say, well, what about the moralist? What about the religious do-gooder? The world is filled with them. Well, I just have a question. They're up, upstanding, uh, right citizens, and so forth and so on. Is that righteousness what they have of God? There is self-righteousness, right? Many of us know individuals that are, that are well-respected in the community, right? But according to the word of God, there is a spirit that now works in the children of, the, of, 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 of disobedience. Anything, no matter how good, no matter how moral it looks, that leads us from the Savior. Listen, there's a church called the Church of Jesus Christ. But their church is not, they don't know the Jesus of the Bible. But the upstanding moral people, right? So this is serious that there's just two classes of people. And remember, when, um, to turn a person from the power of Satan to God does not necessarily uh, 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 imply that they were a Satanist, right? There's a wide range of the degrees of darkness. We, we can see that in the word of God. There's a wide range to turn from the power of darkness. This is, this is stunning. Uh, like, listen to this. Peter, in his first epistle, he says this in chapter 2. We have been called out of what? Darkness into his marvelous light. Now, was Peter a Satanist? Oh, no, Peter wasn't. Peter was a religious Jew, remember? The Lord had to work with him. He said, but, but he was called out of darkness, just like you are and I am, if we know the Savior. Called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we are in the darkness of ignorance, but are now in the light. The Lord Jesus said it this way, He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. The, the standard religionist, the standard moralist has the same answer when it, in regard to eternity. Where will you be? Well, I hope in heaven. I hope I'll be with God. Because they're depending on their self. Right? So, herein, we just include that little side note as is the children or the spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient. And we can ask ourselves at this juncture, juncture what... Spirit, who or what spirit is guiding us through life? Is it the guidance of the power of God or the guidance of the power of darkness? Now, we'll get back to our story here. <clears throat> Notice the charge. Watch this in, in, in uh, chapter 16. They chose, right, in uh, verse 20 and, and onward, they chose to play on the mobs and the magistrates 
prejudices and ethnic pride. Watch that, right? These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. Shrewd move. Shrewd move. They chose to play on the racial and cultural prejudices of Romans against Jews, right? In order to arouse the blind passions of their fellow citizens against the gospel. Now, we could say, and I think all of us would agree, cultural differences and ethnic distinctions are themselves beautiful things. They are. They really, who would want all, the whole world to look like me and act like me? You know, it'd be pretty boring, right? Or Max, you know, who, who would want a bunch of Maxes running around? Well, we, we thank the Lord that, that it would be pretty monotonous if we had to do that. But cultural prejudice blinds people to the gospel and it ceases to be the innocent, innocent thing that it normally is. And we can just sum up the saying when ethnic differences are used to provoke racism and persecution, they become self-evidently demonic. Self, and we know that today. We can look out on our current society and we can see the power of darkness at work. Listen, there's a God of this world. And the Bible says the whole world lies in the lap of the evil one. First John 5. That is, is something to get a hold of, right? Because, yes, we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we thank the Lord for where we are. But, but we know that the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one, lies under the control of the prince of darkness, right? That's serious, serious business. Now, what becomes of Paul and Silas? Just a few more points here uh, um, before we, we, we close. What becomes of them? Well, we're going to go back to the power of God, the guidance of the power of God. Where's what happened to God's guidance now? Right? Come over into Macedonia and help us. Where is God now? To the pagan mind, this doesn't make sense, right? The whole purpose of spirit and guidance is to avoid trouble, not get into it. And now you've got these people that, 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 that are, are professed to be led of God and they're landed where? <laughs> well, in jail. Why? The jailer, he needed to be rescued from the spiritual power of darkness. God would somehow have to break into his spiritual prison. I don't, we don't know much about that jailer, but, 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 but God knew about him and he wanted his people to get in there. So his next move was to get those servants of his into that uh, physical jail. And here's the heart and point of the story. The salvation of the jailer of Philippi and his house. You see? And the remarkable steps that God took to reach him. We can see as we look at the jailer or end with the jailer that there was three individuals God had in mind. Lydia, the spirit medium, spirit medium and the jailer. And of these three, it would seem that the easiest to reach was Lydia, right? She was already a worshiper of God. A spirit meeting, medium, which she was a lot more difficult, right? Her case involved clashing head on with evil powers and, and the minions of Satan fought back. What about the jailer? Well, what seemed like defeat now turns to God's strategy for seeking and saving that jailer. What better way of making sure that he heard the gospel but by getting his missionaries right into his prison and under his care? Right? Plus, send an earthquake. Now, I've never been in an earthquake. Perhaps you have. But I would imagine that, that, that such a situation would, would, would cause a, a, a great 
uh, sense of, of of insecurity. And when and I and here he was, you, you know, it, it just another day, another dollar, right? Going to work, right? And all of a sudden, this happens, and making him feel the insecurity of life, and 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 perhaps wanting to get right with God, the gods of this world, or God who controlled the earth. So suddenly there was this violent earthquake, and everyone's bands came loose, right? It says, and then the prisoners, and then he, no, prisoners remained voluntarily in their prison. Now to the jailer, to the jailer, right? The genuineness of their gospel, because he heard them singing praises to God, right? The genuineness of their gospel and of the God they served needed no stronger authentication than this. And he believed on the Lord Jesus. So, so imagine, here he is, another day, another dollar. I've gone to my job, and now this, oh, what a night we have. Oh, what a night, right? There, there was, there was, there was singing, there was praising, there was quaking, there was trembling, there was believing, and then there was baptizing. What a night! Right? That, that he had, uh, you know, and he was gloriously saved. Now, we might ask, is this the guidance of God for bringing the jailer to faith? Remember, our subject is guidance. All, listen to this. I think we would agree. Almighty God could, by the flick of his finger, have done a miracle before the mob and the magistrates, and they would all come trembling and, and, and groveling and cringing before Paul and Silas instead of beating them and putting them into a prison. Is it really believable? Is it credible that he should deliberately lead his messengers into such shame and abuse and injustice and violence and agony in order to bring the jailer to faith? We can ask that. You know, we're allowed to ask questions as we read the Bible, right? Look at this. As I stand back and I look, why did he have to suffer so much? Why did Paul have to suffer so much for just one man and his family? Well, to ask this question, we ask a far bigger one, don't we? About the heart of the gospel itself. It claims that our almighty creator, the creator of billions of suns in our Milky Way and billions of galaxies in our universe, he handed over his incarnate son to the hands of wicked man for one tiny planet. He did it personally for the jailer. He did it for me. This is, this is a tough one to grab, is it not? And yet, it's altogether believable. It's altogether believable because the issue at stake here is not the power of God, who has the greatest power or who can do the most impressive miracles. We know God can do that. I don't believe power by itself could have... Well, power by itself could have everyone groveling in terror as they wonder at almighty strength, but I don't believe it will convert them. Even in the last book of the Bible, the the, the unconverted, the unrepentant, it says in, in Revelation chapter 6, they, 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 they see the awful effects of, of God, and they, and they call on the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The power of God is not going to convert them there, right? We know that. Only almighty love could do this. And Calvary <laughs> was the place where that was forever demonstrated beyond question, the sufferings of Christ and his love for us. We contemplated that a little bit this morning. The love of God, greater far than tongue or pen could ever show. Love sent my Savior to die in my stead. Why should he love me so? Meekly to Calvary's cross was he led. Why should he love me so? That's going to bring a person to in line and reconcile them to their 
creator. See, we can watch the love of Jesus. God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and the most hardened sinner can look and he can see almighty God. There was a song we used to sing, love was when God became a man locked in time and space without rank or place. That's what happened to the Lord Jesus. And then by faith, we looked at Calvary, see how the patient Jesus stands, insulted in his lowest case. Sinners bind the almighty's hands and pff, spit. In their creator's face. That's going to draw a person to the Lord. So what did Paul think of all this suffering that he endured? Was he shaking his fist at God? You brought me into this? Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. They were not complaining. They were singing. Right? They were rejoicing in the prison. I rejoice. He could write later. We'll close with this. That my sufferings for you and fill up that which in my flesh, which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. In fact, we didn't read verse 40. They went out of that prison. They entered into the house of Lydia where they had seen the brethren. And what did they do? Complain about their circumstances? No. They encouraged them. And departed. So we can just summarize and say divine guidance, demonic guidance, spiritual guidance in the day to day affairs of daily life. You say, well, I'm not a missionary. I'm not the apostle. I'm not called to do these great things. But in our day to day life, the ordinary Joe like me, the ordinary Jill like you, Jane, whoever, right? The daily affairs of life. Is it God's spirit? Is my spiritual guidance God's spirit? Or is it the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience? We can ask ourselves, are we looking to the Lord? Are we looking to his holy word, the Bible? Are we seeking to be filled with the spirit of God? Are we guided by the spirit of God, guided by the word of God? We trust that is our case. If not, the only other alternative, right, is walking according to the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Praise the Lord for his guidance. Praise the Lord that we could be called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise the Lord that once we were in Adam, now we can be in Christ, right? We're under the head of a new race, and a, 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 a new head and a new race if we know Christ as Savior, not walking according to the course of this world that ends in eternal wrath. There's much more we could say here, but our time is gone. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the privilege of seeing your hand at work. We thank you that you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We thank you for the salvation of these three individuals that we've looked at this morning. We thank you that you, you, you rescued through the apostle. You rescued this, this, this young lady who, who, who was possessed by a spirit of divination and, 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 and what, what, what mercy, what compassion you showed on her to, to rescue her from such a situation. And we think of our own case of oh God. Where we were, where we are even now, are we walking according to the course of this world, according to the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience? Oh God, we pray that if there is any here this morning that are not, that don't have the spirit of God, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We thank you for the work that you have accomplished through your son, the Lord Jesus on Calvary. We thank you for almighty love displayed at that place called Calvary, that love that drew us to yourself. And we thank thee that we will spend all the ages of eternity exploring 
exploring the riches of your grace and kindness toward us through Christ Jesus, O oh God. But we thank you for guiding us in the day-to-day affairs of life and being able to pick up something of your hand of guidance in this passage. We give you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.